in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Everybody and welcome to another brand new episode of the Top Ten. I am John Roca, and I am Matt Nost. We are here to bring you another week of movie discussion here on the show. This week, thanks to the release of the new film Elvis from Baz Luhrmann. Um, I know uh, certain members of this household are really <laughs> looking forward to it. <laughs> Others will be begrudgingly seeing it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be uh, entertaining. That's all I'm asking for. So, uh, yeah. Mr. Lerman, uh, usually make a, a visually stunning film. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I got a chance to see it. I can't say too much because the embargo, whatever. All I'll say is I, I loved it. Uh, as an Elvis fan, it ch- checked all my boxes. And I think visually, Matt, you're going to be very blown away by the movie. But just know it's two hours and 40 minutes. It is not a short <laughs> film. So you're going to be in there for a bit, bro. Oh man, that's a long fucking film. Um, so and the last ten minutes are all or the credits, but still, you you get. Did but you see is... that uh, uh, Harry Styles was lobbying hard for yeah. the role? Yeah, and Lerman turned him down by saying, "This is the best spin I've ever heard. You're already an icon, <laughs> so we can't have an icon playing an icon." Yeah, you need to tell your own story type thing. It's like great spin, great spin. I have no idea if he's a good actor or not. I don't know yet. We we there was yeah. a trailer for the new for the film that he's got coming out with Emma Corrin, who played Princess Diana in The Crown. Yeah, um, and Where's the that? trailer dropped earlier. That it looked good, and I liked what I saw of him in that trailer for the film with that Olivia Wilde's directing. It's coming out later this year, so um, we'll see. It could be the second like ascension level for harry styles where he now kind of tackles acting and maybe like i feel like he's tackled music he's not quite justin timberlake i think in terms of capturing the or having the music that kind of justin had but he has a chance here to kind of maybe go above justin as an actor and do better because certainly the project's he's in and the stuff i've seen makes it feel like he's got a another gear of for greatness in that field. So we shall see. Yeah. Uh, we awesome. just don't know yet. So to yeah, be like, no. I want to play Elvis, be like, I, yeah, I need to see you do a couple things first before I hand you the reins to, uh, yeah, I think, but not right. like I know this other guy yeah, either. Butler hadn't done much before Elvis either. So yeah, but yeah, but at the same time, I already have a working, like, it, it's tougher when you just assume, well, that guy's yeah. an actor. And yeah. he was good enough in the room and he has the respect of the director and whatnot. We already know Harry is an artist on this side. So the yeah, transition, yeah. the suspension of disbelief is just much higher. So you got to crush this. Yeah. Whereas my bar is much lower for an unknown. Um, yeah. So it's what, who knows? Just Harry's getting a lot of run over the next two years. And this will determine whether or not we see him as an actor 
yeah for the whatever how many however long thereafter however long he wants to act i guess mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i just heard that about uh mr lerman and i was like matt's good spin that's <laughs> a good spin yeah i mean austin's been around for a bit doing the kind of young adult stuff you know like he was in uh life unexpected switched at birth the carrie diaries which is that uh carrie prequel for sex in the city the shannara chronicles so he's done some stuff he was even what tex in once upon a time in hollywood he was tex watson so he had a small part in that so he was laying the groundwork i guess and uh and then got this part. So and mm-hmm. I think he's great at it. Um, and he might get nominated for an Oscar. Don't don't be surprised. I'm just throwing it out there. I Yeah, so long as the movie is good. Yeah. And he's good. There's always a chance he's going to get nice. It's, it's fucking it's Elvis. Elvis. Yeah, it's Elvis. So if you manage to pull off anything like what people assume that guy was like. Yeah. Because not many. The, the number of individuals that have a working history or knowledge of what. It was like to watch Elvis and whatnot is dwindling by the year. That's true. This is very true. It's so, absolutely true. You need to to live up to the lore of the man. Yeah. It's it's much like how in your estimation, Maryland is almost an insurmountable role. Yeah. Because at this point, we're all living off the the legend, the myth. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really tough. To yeah, it look if Kim Kardashian couldn't do it in the dress that she destroyed, nobody can. You know what I mean? Nobody can. I almost tweeted about that, dude, because I was so infuriated when I read that. What do they think was gonna happen? Exactly. And and people are like, Oh, there's more important things. I don't can't believe people care about this. And it's like, fuck you, because you've there got there are you've got petty, stupid shit that you care about. It's just this isn't well, one of the things that you do. I believe everybody. You should yeah. be lending out a 60 year old dress. I agree. The Ripley's believe it or not is the real people to blame on this situation because a, you know, the Kardashians destroy everything they fucking touch. They don't care about anybody but themselves. So giving them an iconic piece of, uh, of memorabilia, what did you think was going to happen uh, with her, who is, you know, always constantly trying to show her assets off. Um, she, you know, destroyed it. And sure enough, no surprise, you know, no real surprise um, that she did that. You know, and of course, they're probably going to come out with a statement blaming everyone else but themselves. So, yeah. But it's going to yeah. be a bunch of finger pointing and then uh, they're going to file an insurance claim and everybody yes. will forget in about a week. Yeah, for sure. And for sure. Uh, that's precisely what is going to happen. I just. Yeah. As soon as I read it, I was like, I, I, why Why did you give the dress? Yeah. I'm not saying that she's not at fault, and I'm sure there's 15 other people that are at fault as well, but it just right. seems stupid to give out a garment that is that old. No, you're right. You're 100% right. You're 100%. Right. More than likely, that frail a material, considering it's a yeah evening dress and it's probably, you know, it was form fitting and uh, yeah. a, a nice silky fabric, something. Right, thin. That's she's not, and she's not. A, let's be real. She's not a waif, so nah, they, nah, it know, was Maryland. Stretch the dress out, and yeah, exactly. Which is what I like uh, about Maryland. Um, and you know, I saw the new trailer today for that Anna de Armas one, and everyone's like, "Oh, this looks fantastic." I'm like, "No, it doesn't. It, it's she does not exude Maryland in any way, shape, or form." That's Anna de Armas cosplaying as Maryland, and yes, Anna de Armas is already sexy because she's a beautiful young sexy woman she was great no time to die um but like that's not marilyn monroe uh you know it, it just isn't 
it doesn't work, you know, for me. And it's the same way I felt when I watched Kristen Stewart and Spencer. I'm like, that's not Diana. That's Kristen Stewart um, capturing, trying to capture the energy of what they think Diana was like in that situation. But it doesn't really work for me. So you got to get it right. And I think Emma Corrin in The Crown, I think she did a way better job as Diana than Kristen Stewart did. Um, and I'm curious to see how DeBecky does it in the next season of The Crown. But those 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 things, like yeah, you know, like like Hopkins looked nothing like Nixon, right? But he's able to capture sure. essence. Um, and at least they tried to physically make him look like Nixon. But with this, there, I, there's not. I mean, Amadarmus is a waif, man. The, the, this woman was yeah. voluptuous. You know, so it, it bothers me because that's that that's such an important essence to who Marilyn was. You know, what I'm saying? it's like trying to do Elvis, but you're bald. It makes no fucking sense. The hair is so important to what he did. I don't know, to who his look rather. You know, it. I agree. Sorry, I'm a bit upset. Uh, <laughs> I just don't know anybody else that has this much passion for Maryland. So <laughs> good for you. Are you the JFK Jr. Everybody was telling us was coming oh, back. How did you is know? it here in the flesh? That's she, why you're like so heated. Listen, she's my dad up. cheated with her. I know what she was like. I know what my dad wanted. Yes, <laughs> it that wasn't this waif in a sandwich. The only uh, one, yeah, the only skinny mini he was into was my mom. Otherwise, he liked him. <laughs> Everybody knows that about JFK, Jackie Kennedy. Yeah, so whatever. That's that's just my feeling about it. So yeah, well, I know, I, it's yeah. an unusual thing to be upset about. I know it is, but I, it, for whatever reason. It's organically something I get upset about because I, I, she's such a unique, unique person in the history of film that if you're going to try and do her, you got to find the right person to, to portray her, you know, and I don't think they've ever got it right. Yeah. They've come close, but never fully. Well, I, see, I mean, we're going to run into that problem on today's show. Hey, well, it, it's first off, it was impossible to make this list. But secondly, like, I would love to see the story. I don't know who pulls off this character. Yeah. I don't know who does this. Right. Um, there's a whole bunch of them. There are quite a few where I'm like, yeah, actually, I could see they even made my list. I'm like, I can see a number of individuals playing this part. I think it's right. a good part. And there are others who are just like, God, they're so distinctively this individual. Yeah. Really tough for you to sell me as this individual. Um, but, yeah. Good point. Yeah. But, you know, you do. You do the best you can uh, yeah. type of situation considering and i was really surprised because we're doing what we're doing is a top 10 solo musicians who deserve a biopic right isn't that what we said solo artists sorry yeah yeah because we've done bands that deserve it yeah previously yeah um and with elvis coming out we're like solo artists who are they that we don't have a biopic i yeah. think there's only one on my list that technically the character was in a historical fiction type of movie mm, okay where they're trying to make it as accurate as they can but it, it's not solely about the individual right it's a collection of of people so i was like i i think i'm gonna go ahead and go forward with that one <laughs> but everybody else i tried to do a just general cursory search to see if i could find any biopic that's been done or yes like one i left off was hendrix because there's been a couple but there was yeah, one recently have... with andre 3000 right i'm like they've already done it a couple of times why don't we Give it some, give it a rest for a little while and come back to it. Right. It's a good point. Uh, it's a good point. 
So that's what I did. But even with those criteria, this was still difficult. Yeah, this was a tough list. I stopped uh, trying to think of artists. I, I got to a full page, and I'm like, this is just going to continue. I'm stopping. <laughs> and I'm sh- I'm sure, I hopefully you have some people that I did not think about. And I'm like, oh, that would make a great movie. We'll see. We'll see. Because I got a whole list of super interesting. Yeah. And uh, so, anyway. But, yeah, this is for uh, Elvis coming out this weekend. Yeah. And also stay tuned to the end. We're actually going to get shout outs on time for yes. the first time in uh, yes. a couple months. So we'll end. Uh, you'll get this. It'll be the last show of the month. We'll get our shout outs in. And then uh, Boss Hog will be next week. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say before we jump in? How are you feeling about the finals? Uh, you might win this one. You might get this one. You might have been right. Well, on. there is no me in that situation <laughs> well you picked the war you picked the yeah war. well what is that oh i might win this i put no money down i'm not a warriors fan like i yeah uh, uh a friend asked me he's like you know do you care because we were talking about it right uh, i was having another discussion about the finals and, and he doesn't watch basketball he's like oh do you really care and i was like not really i was like i, I picked the warriors in six so I wouldn't mind being right, but at the right. same time, I would rather, I'd love a game seven. Yeah, right. Game seven in the finals is pretty excellent. In in Golden State. And yeah. certainly the um, Celtics have proved they can win on the road in a game seven. So, I, I mean, yeah. look, they won a six and a seven against Milwaukee. It's true. It's very true. And this is the first back-to-back loss for the Celtics, and I don't even know how long. Yeah. It's probably been... Minimum four or five months since they yeah. lost back to back. Are they really going to lose three in a row? <sighs> that seems like a tall order. Yeah, I know. It, it, but I, you know, my prediction was Warriors and six because I, I thought if it went to seven, the Celtics probably going to win it. Yeah. Well, especially because like, um, they had the lead in that game going into the third quarter, or right. I guess they hit that three pointer on the third, but like. It looked like they were going to stay in contention and they had survived that third quarter. And the last time they had a situation like this, they just kind of went ahead slowly, but surely in the fourth quarter of the first game and took the victory. So I thought for sure they were going to win, especially with Steph not being able to hit a three. I was like, Oh yeah, they'll, they'll eventually grind him down with the defense and they'll get the victory here, which will be very interesting. Uh, you know, going into Boston, they could close it out on their home court on the parquet. So the old school, yeah. but not the old school, but the uh, Gold State's school. defense has been really good in the yes. fourth quarter offense outside of, you know, game one, yeah. by and large, when it comes down to crunch time, the Boston's offense has not been good. Robert Williams' knee, he's hobbling around there, and that makes yeah. a hell of a difference. He's playing, I think it's something like seven minutes less than he did during the regular season. He's somewhere right. hovering around like 22, and he played 29 in the regular season. Yeah. Um. Which did you see the uh, Isaiah Thomas today? So the article came out yesterday from oh, Yahoo talking about Robert Williams, all the stuff that he's going on with his knee. And he just stopped getting it drained at this point because they were just draining it. It was refilling with fluid. Oof. And he's like, but the medical staff, you know, assures me that there's no long-term potential chance for long-term damage. And Isaiah Thomas just tweeted out. I've heard that before. And you're like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> hey. 
I read that article and I didn't even think about that. And then I saw the tweet and I was like, mm, that's if anybody can criticize, it is Isaiah Thomas. If there's one area he can still criticize in. Yep. Isaiah, it's that area. It is the Bostic Celtics oh. medical staff's ulterior <laughs> motives. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> then it becomes a discussion of like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then. If yeah. he is constantly playing with this, they did do a, have to do surgery on the MCL, which is the worst option of all the options. Yeah, yeah. So he's probably going to have long-term effects of this once he gets older. So he's already, you know, he's going to be hobbling around when he's an old man because of this. And now he's playing on it. So is it going to be, you know, does this hurt his future contracts? Like, right, right. shit, I hadn't even thought about all that. I was just like, oh, okay, maybe he is going to be okay. I'd like to see the most competitive series I possibly can. Yeah. Um. But IT is like, mm, he's got fucking point. He's got a real fucking point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It ain't the Phoenix staff. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. They can revitalize Grant Hill's knees. <laughs> or it just, it, as soon as I saw that, I started thinking about, well, think about how long Memphis kept Jaron Jackson out. Yeah. Forever. Right. And Clay wanted to come back much sooner, but the Golden State Warriors are like, we're going to ease you back in, man. We got to think about your long-term health and everything. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of the difference is superstar versus star. Right. Right. But the other is, is there a callousness in the Boston medical staff? I don't know. Yeah. You know, Gordon Hayward went there and has never been the same. I don't blame Boston, but it seems like weird medical things happen there. Yeah. You're not wrong. That, That was a freak accident. And then he's never been able to stay on the court for more than, you know, 60% of a season sense. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that's Boston's fault, but it seems fishy. Yeah. And Paul Pierce got stabbed, so, you know, that's the He happens. did get stabbed. <laughs> I, I would I would chalk that more up to Boston at large as opposed to the Celtics organization, you know? The city doesn't have the best track record with uh, yeah. uh, African-American athletes. Yeah, know? that's for sure. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, ask Bill Russell about all that. Um, yeah, we'll see what yeah. happens. We'll see what happens. I, I I hope they take it tonight, like you said, and we'll go to game seven. But, I mean, they've shown, as you said, of course, when we talked earlier, uh, they have a proclivity to not win in Boston. So mm-hmm. um, it could be, which they did in the fourth game. They just completely got. Yeah, if they were going to win one of the two of them, it was like yeah. that one. Yeah. You had a much better shot, in my opinion, because this one just, even with Steph playing bad, Given their defensive coverages, they ended up trying to shade a defender over to him, yeah. or occasionally were trapping and blitzing, and they weren't dropping as much, uh, which just opens up the pick and roll and guys flooding in. Hence, Wiggins yeah. getting that big dunk, the layup, and everything else. Draymond on the short rolls. So you got to pick your poison. Are we gonna? Yeah. What are we gonna do about Steph? That's why I still think he's hit Finals MVP. The people pushing for Wiggins and be like, Wiggins isn't able to do any of that stuff if Steph doesn't have that tremendous gravity. You know, it's and I know we got to jump in on this, but it's it's kind of crazy to think about if Golden State didn't have the Clay Thompson injury, does LeBron go to the Lakers still? Like that's the question at the end. Like because and do they even win the title during the COVID time? No, no, no. If if Clay is there with Steph, there's a very real possibility LeBron doesn't even have another championship um, for the rest of his career if Clay doesn't have that injury. You know, I mean, almost. Like they're the um, the Rockets to when Jordan went and played baseball because I still believe the Rockets would have never won a championship 
with that crew without Jordan going to baseball. There's no way. No fucking way. I don't know. It, I'm glad that I don't have to deal with that reality as a Bulls fan. True. But to continuously get there every year and win the championship, I mean, the odds of that are yeah. astronomically high. Yeah. Better that he's undefeated than yeah, sure. six and two or something. Well, just, yeah, the, to see him not even make the finals. Like, yeah. just yeah. peter out being so tired. Right. Yeah, he'd have worked burnt out eventually, right? I mean, I more than both, likely, both times he left, he burnt out in essence, even though the Krause thing, or he like, does the LeBron thing of like in January, hey, I'm going to Miami to, to yeah, recuperate, but I'm leaving for a couple of weeks. I just, I need to check out because I'm just constantly playing basketball. I can't, I don't want to think about it. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens for sure. Um, all right. Uh, well, let's get into this thing. Uh, let's get into this list here. Uh, top 10. Uh, solo artists that we think deserve a biopic, uh, brought on by the Elvis movie coming out here next week or this week by from Boz Lerman with Austin Butler. Um, uh, Matt, how does the show work? We set the topic and we go our individual ways, create personal top 10 lists, show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He, he does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Um, so once again, impossible list. Of course. So a million to choose from. Yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer regardless. Okay. So uh at 10, I've got Prince. That's fine. That's a punt. That's fine. You can go ahead and lay your disgust. I just don't think there's been his life is as tumultuous as other artists. So they might they would make for better stories on some of these others. I think on my list, eight through ten. Kind of, yeah. you could mix and match. You could put, you could have put Prince at eight. I'm fine with that. Oh it's God. like when you get above that ish, mm-hmm. I think it really starts to get interesting. Okay. okay. Uh, at nine, that's a punt. What's your nine? That's fine. At nine, curveball for you, my friend. Yeah. Dolly Parton. Oh, uh, that is a punt. Wow. Yeah. I, I thought I was like, ball. you know what? That's going to be one of my uh, out of left field choices. Wow, really? Of all the fucking, I have so many written down, and I was struggling yeah. to come up with like a five or six for these last three spots. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, you know what, Dolly's making one for sure. So now I have <laughs> four or five for two spots. I was just like, she's she's dialed in. Yeah, because it'll just be a fun, interesting conversation. And uh, you know, it looks like same wavelength here. All right, uh, of all the artists, too. So far, we have two in common. We have two in common. I figured we'd have a couple, but nearer the six through one range yeah. in there. Uh, but anywho, okay. uh, eight, I've got David Bowie. But they already did one called Stardust, right? Did they? Yeah. He was, was one of the ones I didn't look up because I couldn't remember initially. It was with Johnny Flynn. Um, it wasn't sanctioned by the David Bowie people. So there, there's oh, a shit. That just came out. you can get away with, man. Okay. All right. No, yeah. no, no. I got no problem with that. I had no idea that existed. I didn't even yeah. look it up. Yeah. It came out two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah, Was it yeah, any yeah. good? Did you see it? No. It, uh, oh, he's, no. Yeah. He's a good actor. The film itself didn't hundred percent get there, but I like Johnny as an actor. Uh, he was, he was in Emma, that one with Andy Taylor joy. He's good. At, I interviewed him. Very nice guy. The film itself, you could tell the fact they didn't have the approval of the David Bowie estate. Uh, You could tell they were doing the best they could, trying to dance around the shit they couldn't talk about. 
and none of his music is in the movie by him. So um, it's yeah, it's 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 not as cool as it could have been, uh, I think. So yeah, that's always a problem. Yeah, yeah. So I think it still qualifies for you, man, because it's not. No, no, no. I, I will swap out because okay. there were others where I'm like, look, there's one coming up in a year right. or two, or right. Uh, there's one person I chose because there's been a long rumored project, but that's Ooh. okay. The individual that he's rumored with has a bunch of these long rumored. Oh yeah, gestating enough. projects, and I'm like whether or not this ever happens, who the yeah. fuck knows? <laughs> okay. Um. All right. What do you want to do? I am going to substitute in. Okay. I'll go BB King. Ooh, nice choice. I like that choice. Go ahead. Swap out and put. uh, Yeah. Iconic guy. Yes. For the longest time. And what I love about BB is he's had like waves of stardom. Yes, right. Which is rare for a blues musician mm-hmm. of all of all genres. Blues is one where you could rattle off the ten best names currently working, and I right. can't imagine the average person knows a single one of them. Good point. Yeah, I, I at this point, like my blues heyday when I was listening to it, quite a bit of it was twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't even tell you who the new best artists in that genre are. Like, oh, you got to keep your eye on so and so. He's put out like one or two albums, but really. They're they're coming into their own. Yeah. Don't have the slightest clue who that is. Right. Um, you know, I listened to BB, but the the youngest guy I might have listened to would have been Robert Cray. Oh yeah, Robert Cray. Uh everything else, you know, beyond that blues I listened to was like of BB's era type of yeah. stuff. Um but his waves on top of it then gets embraced by other generations once they acknowledge him publicly and saying you were st- such a tremendous influence on me and then he gets this secondary wave um not quite the level uh, of uh uh like tony bennett with lady yeah. gaga yeah, where yeah, it gets yeah. elevated completely up but the the love of like eric clapton and other big big names within the guitar world right um like basically the story kind of is a young him and then you see him bond with lucille we get a little bit of the where Lucio came from, like this holy grail of guitars right. for him, at least. And then the the circuit of what it was like to play down south in the uh, I, I would assume it's part of the Chitlin circuit. Yeah. Um, and slowly inching his way towards a crossover, more mainstream, especially for blues, which is almost impossible. And he right. becomes the standard bearer of that genre for decades. Hmm. Uh yeah, I think it. Uh, I think that could make for an interesting movie. Okay, I like that idea actually. Because um, I mean, like you said, there's so many different phases and stages. And when he died, he was almost getting reappreciated again, right? Right, right around the time when he died, and certainly going into Rattle and Hum, having that moment. I mean, getting a, a hit song with you two, you know, uh, that late in his career. And that's such a great sequence in the movie where he's like, man, I don't, I don't do, I just, I don't read music. I just do chords or whatever. And it's like, wow, this guy became so successful. And there are certain things like John Lennon couldn't read music. Same I, thing. It's just, I don't of, know many rock musicians that can read music. Yeah. See, so it's just like, wow, this is in- interesting. So yeah, I think BB would be great, especially because BB came up around that time. He was in Memphis. He knew Elvis. 
so it was around that time. So there's so much you can kind of weave into BB's story and all that he's experienced. And he was there for Rumble in the Jungle for Foreman versus Ali. True. At that, at that live concert that they did there with him and James Brown and others. Yeah, I think that his would have to be one where, like Ray, you span a long yes. duration of time. Yeah. Because people don't know a ton of his backstory. Whereas a higher wattage star, I think sliver of time maybe makes more sense. Yeah. Good point, or one that the public is more aware of what their story is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's your eight, right? Yeah. All right, here we go. So, right, so my number ten is George Michael. Okay. Yeah, I went with George Michael for a number of reasons. A, because I, he's one of my favorite artists from the 1980s and the 90s, and I thought he died in a tragic kind of situation. Um. And there was a lot of drama with him because he struggled being a homosexual recording artist. Um, and we can go from his start, you know, when he's doing Wham, putting that thing together, Andrew Ridgely, becoming the pop star, then taking the chance to go out solo, exploding with that Faith album, mm -hmm. and then doing something that hardly any artist has ever done in the pop realm is to sit there and go, wait, I've seen the plasticity of this life. I am going to write music that exposes the plasticity of life and this pop life and this fame. And I would argue writes an even better album in Listen Without Prejudice Volume 1 uh, that is iconic um, in terms of construction. And so you, I think that's the story to tell and then at the end, you could have the George Michael, you know, eventually, you know, succumb to this. He was caught in, you know, in homosexual stuff and whatever. And so you, you can tell this story where it, he's a gay artist who kind of comes into the pop mainstream, becomes a straight sex symbol for many women. Meanwhile, he's closeted homosexual in terms of being out and what he struggles with, yet is able to create, in my opinion, one of the greatest albums of the 20th century. And so uh, lyrics-wise, music-wise, whatever uh, uh, barometer you want to use. And so in my opinion, it would be fantastic to see that story played out. And I think it would appeal to audiences nowadays who are much more open to looking at the struggles of LG LGBTQ plus people um, in our world, you know, especially now with how much there's such political resentment against these human beings who have every right to exist. You know? Here's a little fun fact for top 10 fans. Okay. Um, before our matches in the Schmodown to hype himself up, John used to <laughs> sing very quietly to himself last Christmas. Last Christmas. I give He's trying friend? to like just get zoned out. It's just yeah. like, wow, really a Christmas song. But fuck, shut up. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. <laughs> <laughs> just i love george michael i love his music and, and even the stuff he did after listen without prejudice some of the uh, some of the more dance poppy stuff he did was nice um, how, how much time do you give to the uh the bathroom in beverly hills see that's the thing i think you have to address it right you, you got to yeah it has to be an element of the film because you got to show what led him there 
when he got caught, the real, you see the just absolute devastation. There's a great documentary that was on Showtime about him that I, th- I would encourage anybody who's a fan of his. And even if you're not, if you're only a, like an occasional fan of his to watch, because it's a, it, it kind of explores that a little bit as well. Like what drove him to do things like this, the real devastation in his face and in his body when he's giving those statements, because he's so embarrassed. He's just so utter. The one thing he didn't want to get found out about to get found out about in such a public place and get arrested and have it be all over the world. Like that's no way to control how you want to come out. And, yeah, no, not at you know, all. You know, so it could be also like a commentary on celebrity culture and like tabloids and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Too bad so yeah. he couldn't do the Eddie Murphy going on talk shows and be like, I was just giving her a ride. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's all I was doing. You don't really I have that option. Think, you know, we were sharing a stall cause it was busy in the bathroom. Yeah. Was, you know, it was a packed day in Beverly Hills. <laughs> I was down. So it's a bathroom, like on a green belt. Yeah. Uh, down there. I'm sure you've seen it, but I, the yes. first time I was down there and, a friend was like, oh, that's the George Michael bathroom. And you see it, and it's just this nondescript yeah. cinder block building that's they, any park you've ever been to that has bathrooms. Right. That's what it looks like. It's just painted white. Yeah. It's like, but that's it. And you see it, and you're like, oh, man, that that sucks. Right. Uh, and then you wonder, is this a self-destructive thing? Like, he, you know, he could have paid for anybody to go to his house. He could have paid for male escorts. Could have paid for... Why? We could have gone a quarter mile to West Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. And had a great time. But why? Gone anywhere. Right, exactly. Why sneak around about it? So, yeah, Catherine so- had never seen that before. And we were driving through like a month ago. Oh. And just with the bars, guys up dancing, and yeah. the, the doors open, and just, it was packed. Yeah. And she looked over, and she's like, uh, are we in West Hollywood? It's like, yeah, we're in the heart of West Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Thinking it was just, I mean, it is full on, just the best in shape dudes dancing around in the tightest little shorts and no yeah. shirt. And you're like, man, it's good for you guys. But, uh, <laughs> this isn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So something to explore, I think, in my opinion, and there's a lot, obviously a lot of drama to explore with him in his life. And I mean, from the separation of solo artists to, you know, creating some incredible music and then the fall from grace. Um, and many th- people don't know this. He was the first one to do carpool karaoke with James Corden as well. So um, that's something to look up if you all want to look up. Um, so then my number nine is Billy Joel. <clears throat> Go for it. I love Billy Joel. There's no greater New York artist this side of Sinatra than Billy Joel. There isn't. And I would love to explore. Billy Joel's like Al Pacino. Like there's the 70s Billy Joel. There's the 80s Billy Joel. There's the 90s doing it a little over the top Billy Joel, like hoo-ha Pacino. And then there's the Billy Joel that's finally settled in and he's the kind of rotund piano dude who's bald, who still tours and has great um, duets with Elton John or with Tony Bennett or whoever, goes to colleges and has great uh, um, conversations with student musical students there. Um, so, but was married to Christy Brinkley uh, and -hmm. dealt with all the stuff that he dealt with and had some alcohol issues. So I think there's a lot that you can explore through the, um, uh, how can I say through the decades of our country, socially and politically through Billy Joel and the music that he's making and the changes that he's making and how we went from the seventies, which was really gritty and, you know, kind of exploring the darker underbelly of America into the eighties. And he's doing Uptown girl and shit and all these pop songs. 
into the 90s where it's, we didn't start the fire. So it's like, okay, what is the cha- river of dreams? He's becoming an older man. What does this all mean? So I think there would have been a lot to, ex- I think there's a lot rather to explore with Billy Joel. Uh, and I think it would be a lot of fun. Plus that music is so fucking iconic. People would love a chance to kind of watch, listen to it again and watch it again and enjoy the circumstances and surroundings of how he came up with some of the, some of his greatest music. So for me, Billy Joel. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> no comments? Okay, thanks. I Look, I like a lot of his music. Yeah. Uh, the dude himself... I don't I don't give a shit. What? How dare I you? I don't give a shit. Why? Look, everything I need to know about Billy Joel is this. He walks up to a microphone and as he starts to sing, he puts his sunglasses on because that shit is cool. And you're <laughs> like, no, that's the lamest thing that tells me everything I need to know about you. You're not cool. You're not. <sighs> Fine. That's <laughs> look, it's my two cents. Do I think he writes sure. a good song? Yeah, he's got a bunch that I think are uh yeah. you know, uh earworms that they get in there and i'm singing them and i i'm big fan grew up enjoying billy joel do i think he's cool i've never once thought billy joel is cool that's insane to me never once really and he he had like that monthly residence at madison square uh, madison square garden sold it out every time he'd chop her in i can't even imagine what that's like oh i got a standing residence that i sell out once a month (laughs) at madison square garden "Ah." that's obviously that's yeah obviously yeah twenty thousand people a month go this dude is cool as shit uh plus he went to like he performed in russia when no one was allowed mm-hmm. to go perform in, in the russia, 80s sure in the 80s which was so awesome i remember watching that documentary too yeah and he put his sunglasses on and they went crazy but you they also what? went crazy for blue jeans and uh big macs so <laughs> it's uh... nothing wrong with big macs i like big Macs. um but yeah i so i don't know just i i, I love billy joel so i would love to see that you know and even i mean can you get a guy who can go through all the stages of billy joel i don't know can you find one actor who can play billy all the way to where he ends up uh, i'm pretty sure where he's at it seemed like that complex a dude how dare so. you how fucking dare you all right anyway let's let's move on man's been married four times it's pretty incredible um <laughs> is that what we say about somebody who's been married four times ah it's pretty incredible good for you dude let me pat you on the back real quick Christine. couldn't stick it out with any hey, of them you get a supermodel in one of those four that's a, you're doing good those are good eyes. yeah yeah, yeah. You know. but the uh, accomplishment of marrying four times not impressed by walking back into the i mean if that's the, case, did, the breach <laughs> did you watch the big con the new documentary. Uh, yeah. no, I it's on my list of things to watch. Okay. Yeah, well, that dude was that. married like 16 times. So <laughs> we're really saying congratulations. Congratulations to him as well. Well, that's now you're abusing the privilege. I think four is the limit. After four, you're. Well, I, I think you're arbitrarily setting the limit of four because that's what your boy Billy did. God, I wish I had shades right here. They're 10 feet away and I just put them on. Yep. There we go. Um. All right. So then my number eight is another piano man stevie wonder sure i thought about it i i love stevie man and again stevie starting out in the 50s with fingertips right young kid prodigy blind and it'd be a completely different film than ray right it's a completely different thing but we see him come into the 70s and funk and superstition and all the great music he did there. There's some great love uh, songs there in the seventies as well. So much fantastic. Then it gets the socially conscious stuff like living in the city. 
um, all of that that he is uh, confronting there uh, as he becomes a spokesperson for the black community in the 70s. And then into the 80s, when he kind of softens up a little bit more with <laughs> I just called to say I love you and other stuff. And then into the 90s, as he becomes this iconic um person in the black community and what he endures and goes through and all this kind of stuff and so for me i think there would be a lot to explore with stevie wonder and find out more of the behind the scenes because i mean the stuff with ray charles you're like what's really and when you watch the movie like wow i didn't know all that went on now is it all chronologically accurate no but overall it's kind of a surprise to see how much ray went through so i'd like to see what stevie endured as a blind musician um in the world and how he was able to accomplish and create and make the music that he made for all those years. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I just didn't put him on uh, because it was like, well, we've already, we had Elton and Ray in the recent past. So it was like, well, oh. to mix it up and have something different instead of another piano player, but Stevie's on my side. He was in distinct contention. Yeah. Along with a whole bevy of other artists. It's an excellent choice. You could even have moments with him and Eddie. Sure. Eddie Murphy would be hilarious doing the scenes that they do. (laughs) You want to impress me? Take the wheel for a while, motherfucker. (laughs) Love that bit. Um, But yeah, so there you go. Number eight, Stevie Wonder. All right, what do you got at seven? Uh, My seven is a cheat. Okay. Uh, I went with Jay-Z and Beyonce. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, go ahead. The thing is, so I wanted to do one or the other, but I don't think you could do it because they become so intertwined. You want to do a biopic now of Beyonce and Jay-Z? They're the only contemporary artists, technically, that I chose for the list. I think they have enough of a story now where you could start thinking about it. Okay. Just with Jay-Z, I think the story would be juxtaposing their two rises. Mm. With Jay-Z... In New York, living in the projects, uh, father left, and it's just his mother raising him, and uh, it's like five or six brothers mm-hmm. in a small little apartment, and you know he bounces around from schools, gets in trouble, starts selling crack. Yeah, uh, he you know does his music hustle on the side, and then forms his own record label, and then by doing that, eventually he gets the record contract, and we see the ascension, but then. On the flip side, you've got Beyonce and her stable home life in Texas. Mm. Her dad's like a, a salesman. Her mom, she owned a nail salon or a hair salon. I know it's a okay. salon of some kind. Okay. But she wants to get into the showbiz side, and they're kind of basically helping guide her through that process by being, you know, stage parents. The manager. Yeah, managers, all of it. And yeah. just the two polarities between the two extremes where one's got a stable nuclear family the other's got his mom and she's doing as best she can but he's also out on the streets dealing drugs and everything else and he's just hustling and eventually they slowly each rise to the top and then come together and then they become like this crazy super couple that you assumed it's going to do one of the two things it's either going to flame out in 18 months or they're going to stay together for the rest of their lives looks like they're going to stay together uh for the rest of their lives yeah. Who knows? Um, I'm sure there'll be ups and downs in that. Every marriage has that. There already was. Yeah, there already has. Yeah. But they stay together. They do. Um, I'm married four times. <laughs> not married four times. I mean, I realize that is the bar. 
that you, if you're going to be a truly just pantheon musical artist, you got to get to three, four marriages. You know? that, shows, that shows three or four stages of development. It does. does. The impetuousness of youth. And then you got that one out of your system. And then the hubris of your like early 30s when you think you've got it all figured out. Yep. yep. You've gotten through the turmoil of your teens and early 20s. Then that one fizzles out. And then there's the second chance, your midlife crisis. Midlife crisis. And then the after that one fizzles out, it's the, well, I'm 80 and she's 35. <laughs> and I'd like to have a little bit of fun before I. Also know, known as the Mick Jagger phase of, of your exit this mortal coil. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do agree. Their story's not done. I ran into quite a few of these where like the story's not done. Yeah. But there's a lot here. I mean, like you said, with Jay-Z and, you know, the battles he had coming into the rap game, you could even throw the stuff in with with Kanye. Yeah, you've got the kind. Well, you got uh, he was friends with Biggie and Tupac. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, But Biggie and that crew and Puffy. Yeah, Yeah. you have Kanye and the Neptunes coming in as producers. Yep. Um, You got Dame Dash and like the Rockefeller guys as they built Rockefeller. And then for Beyonce, you got Beyonce. You've got Destiny's Child. And there's a lot Uh, of drama with Destiny's Child because. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole lot to explore there because of the first, I think the first two, or there used to be five in Destiny's Child, and then I think there was one who stormed off because she thought that uh, the man, because their manager was her dad, her, dad, or her yeah. mom, they were trying to make Beyonce the lead, and these other women could sing better, and look, that's always been a thing that's dogged Beyonce, is that she's not the strongest singer, kind of like Diana Ross, she's not the strongest singer so you could argue that some of these other singers that were with her in the in, uh, Destiny's Child were stronger singers. They just didn't have that it thing that she has. That, 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 that that's You can't quantify that it thing. Do you want to piss off the Swifties next? Because you got the Queen, you got the queen Bee's army coming I'm after you. I'm just saying. Throwing your truth. And then when they put, and then when, I think it was just the four of them, two of them stormed off as well for the same reasons. They felt they were getting shoved to the side to focus on Beyonce. And then eventually, a third woman came in. I don't know if it was Kelly Rowland or the other uh, lady. It was the other one. Kelly was already there. Okay, so there's the other one who came in. Was it Michelle Williams? Yeah, I think it was Michelle. Yeah, yeah. And so they understood, hey, Beyonce is a star. We are here to sing with her as a companion piece, uh, but not to be necessarily the center. Beyonce is the center figure of this. Do I think this is a three-hour movie? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Just uh, back and forth. Look, if Elvis alone is 245... Oh, yeah. It's just the magnitude of this. It's cheap, though. Yeah. I am doing both, and their their story Which, is not over. But Jay-Z's story now is 25 years long. Yeah. Public Eye. Good point. 26 years long. Yeah. And Beyonce's is about 20-ish. That's enough where you yes. could start at least thinking about it. There are other people like, I think eventually Lady Gaga would have an interesting story. Sure. Uh, but I think it's not written right yet. That. There's a, quite a few of those and be like, sure, Rihanna. Yeah. yeah, but it's not over yet. I don't know where it's going. And hopefully we spend like 15 minutes of the movie on Battleship because I think that's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adele's another one that could be interesting. Yeah, I got Adele. There's a, a bevy of current artists where you're like, that. I think that will be good. Timberlake's will probably be good. Britney's would probably be good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Britney, I was real close to putting Britney on the list. Real close. Because I was like, just now the conservative. But I got to see how this plays out first. Then I think that would be a great third act for the movie. 
Um, all right, that was your seven or that was your six? Which one was that? I lost track. That was my seven. Okay, what's your six? My six is Sinatra. No, uh, that's a punt. Come okay. on. Okay. I, 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 I don't disagree. These top six, I think all would make for excellent. Fair enough. Uh, biopics. So. Okay. My number seven is Kurt Cobain. Uh, that's a punt. Okay, I had a feeling. Then my number six is Marvin Gaye. That's also a punt. Wow. All right. Sounds like we're going somewhere here, Matt. Uh, basically, yeah. It's like a. Uh, but you have a couple. Of, wow. So, Prince and Dolly are in top five. Top five, son. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well, look, we're going to take a quick break. Hear this word from our sponsor, and then uh, we'll come back and do our top fives in just a moment. Good man. Take so it that away. was the one where technically Jeffrey Wright played him a few like. 10, 12 years ago in yeah. Cadillac Records? Yeah, Cadillac Records. Right, right, right. Yeah, with Adrian Brody and others. But how good does the movie Muddy Waters meets the devil? Yeah. And we just have that as the movie? Dude, I'm sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing that film. It's it's one of the most mythical stories in all of music history. Yeah. That he made a deal with the devil. And so it's like, uh, if you've ever seen the Ralph Macchio movie, Crossroads. Yeah, yeah. That is well, yeah. basically, yeah, the Muddy Waters story. Yeah. Um, I'm in. Okay. Done. That's all. That's, that's my pitch. Muddy Waters meets the devil. Okay, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the crux of it. And then the decline thereafter, at, you know, and it's this deal with the devil he made and everything. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have much beyond that. It was just like, but okay. that then, that's on my list. Muddy Waters. He meets the devil. The best story in all of music history. I'm oh, in. Let's see that movie. <laughs> what do you want? Yeah, I, I'm down. I'm down with that. I'm, I'm down to see more of that. Yeah, because Crossroads was a bit of a... It, was a, it sucks. For the, for the 80s, it was an interesting film, but... It sucks. Yeah, fair enough. Steve uh, Vai comes in as the... the the golden fiddle of the devil. He's playing his guitar and then eventually he fucks up. I love it in, in the most unsteve I like way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just ridiculous. <laughs> and, and full disclosure, because they're trading lick for lick. He is kicking Machio's ass for like yeah. the first three licks when yeah. they're trading back and forth. It's not even close. Well, I hate to break people's feelings about the 1980s, but both Michael J. Fox and Ralph Macchio were terrible, and Justine Bateman were terrible guitarists. All right, let's put oh, that I don't, on the table. Yeah, I don't even think that's Macchio. The close-up is not Macchio. Yeah, Bateman. exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like this it's, idea that they were, you know, come on. It's people, people anybody that had that illusion, yeah, it's probably their mothers because yeah. the rest of us all went, "Maths, you know, it's yeah. a really tight close-up. Why would you just do a two-shot so we can see him actually play?" Oh, because he can't. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Doc Brown saved. Marty from a lifetime of mediocrity playing in shit bands until he was in his 40s or 50s. Um, garage bands playing, tr still trying to make it. You know, still trying to make it. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> All right, so that was your five, right? That was my five. So then my five is Dolly, the punt from earlier. Okay, wow, five. All right. Yeah. Oh, wow, there's so much to tell here, man. Dolly is, Dolly is incredible. I mean, the 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 more she ages, the more incredible she seems to become. It's kind of an odd thing. Like, there's a podcast. There's a couple of podcasts that are about her that are out there that are pretty stellar. And 
we hear more and more stories about how she did all the things that she did and dealing with a you know, per, I mean, country music at that time with the way she looked and her assets, shall we say? I'm I'm sure dudes were trying to do all kinds of things to her. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So it's like how, ex, there's so much to explore there as a woman coming into the world of country music. Were there other women who were like jealous of her because of her assets, because she was pretty and blonde, and so she stood out? Did other women hate her for being that way? That's something to explore. You know, I think of that scene with um, uh, June Carter in Walk the Line, where that woman walks up and thinks that she can uh, offer her her opinion about her divorce. It's like, who the fuck are you? You know, it's just. But this feeling of like, oh yeah, there, you got to stay down home, you got to stay country, you got to stay one of us. You know, and what's that process like to where she blows up in the eighties? Um, and becomes this pop star and, and actress uh, into the 90s. And and then what happens as she's kind of becoming this, um, how can I say this? This iconic figure, but like this person people look up to, you know, this kind of mentor, this kind of mm-hmm. um, vaulted being in the world of not just music, but pop culture. Um, and then coming out and, you know, being so adamant about vaccines and, and um uh, COVID and all that kind of stuff in a time when not a lot of country people were. So yeah. she just kind of transcends all that. She's untouchable. She's Teflon. So to explore how she got to that spot, I think would be phenomenal. So much. Yeah. The, I mean, it's coal miner daughter esque. Mm. She lives yeah, in Loretta a small. Never, never yeah, no, I agree. The Dolly's a much bigger star. Yeah. But yeah. The, lives in a small shack with shit like. 10 12 siblings right 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 and at the like as soon as she gets out of high school she moves to nashville and then she starts writing and gets yeah. some songs published and then gets a recording contract but the balls yeah at that young an age would be like i'm chasing my dream yeah and then going out and then gets uh hooked up with porter wagner and they have a career for a while and yeah. you think that's all it's, it's going to be and then she transitions over into the pop world and then gets into movies and you're like yeah. wow this is absolutely incredible that she keeps pushing herself and tries to diversify who she is yeah yeah uh and just keep growing and expanding yeah um yeah it, as you brought up it has not petered out she continues to impress all these yeah. years later like uh she got in essence, awarded with an induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and she turned it down. Yeah, initially turned it down. Yeah. Uh, just saying, you know, it's the Rock and Roll Hall of yeah. Fame. I'm not rock and roll. Yeah, I'm a country artist. Thank yeah. you. But no thank you. Right. And you're like, God, man, good, good for you. And let's not forget Dollywood. Doing yeah. a theme park based on you. That's incredible. That doesn't happen. So. The books program to get uh, literacy up in kids. Uh, Yeah. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. Her story is at this point, seven decades long. Yeah. And it's utterly impressive. And she's still going and she's still, she's basically like the, the next Betty white. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Good point. The next Betty white. Yeah. yeah, Just somebody we all universally go, man, she's pretty great. Right. Uh, you, it's it's tough to come up with someone that has a crossword to say about her. Right. You know she has tattoos. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. That's why she's always fully covered. Oh wow! I believe they're for her husband only. 
because they've been she's been married to the same guy since 1960 yeah. something yeah yeah uh but yeah i guess she has like on her arms she's got a bunch of tattoos and stuff so you wow. always see her in sleeved attire i didn't know that and yeah I had no idea, and they just like I can't even visualize it. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, what's your uh, what's your four? My number four is Kurt Cobain. So not much. Oh, okay. Point. All right. Go ahead, man. Um, it's just such a meteoric rise. Yeah. For somebody who is, seems as though they're distinctly an introvert, and then yeah. having to deal with all these internal demons that they've had for a long time. And they've tried to get out onto the page and perform in front of people. Yeah. And eventually it just becomes too much and they succumb to their depression and darkness. And that is a hell of an arc for a movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I honestly though, I, if we want an honest portrayal, we have to do it after Courtney passes. Yeah. You'd have to fight Courtney the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. If she would want to argue about the portrayal. Of her in the situation. And and him. To, and like, yeah, yeah. you know, she'll have rose-colored glasses as to what he was actually like. Right, right. More than likely. Um, but yeah, and she she might be, you, may, you never know. I mean, you might have to fight Grohl on this. Uh, yeah, possibly. Or Kurt Novoselic. Novoselic, yeah, right, right. Or even Francie, Francis Bean, their, da- their daughter, who is, uh, uh, you know, gone back and forth on her comments on her mom. So what's her feelings about her dad? You know, I don't, I think it'd be interesting to be honest with you. Yeah. So I would imagine it's a time capsule, you know? Yeah. Right. She has distinct memories and that's where they lie. And she didn't know the man. She just knew her dad when she yeah, was really right, young. Right. Yeah. Cause I can't even imagine how old she was when he killed himself. What would you guess? Four? Yeah. Five? Probably, probably around that age. Something yeah. like that. I mean, it was, it's a it's long time of, ago. Yeah. It was like in the 1990s, right? Oh yeah. It was, I would guess 1995. Yeah. Maybe ninety four. Uh, yeah, ninety four. Ninety four. Fuck. Yeah. Nineteen sixty seven to nineteen ninety four. Man, twenty seven years old. It was a gun. It was a fucking shotgun. Shotgun. Jesus, didn't want to yeah. leave any doubt. Didn't want to leave any doubt. Uh, Oof. yeah, I still remember the news helicopter shot of. I want to say it was in like a room above a garage. Yeah. Yeah. Cause in my head, it's just like this small, you know, one of those like a, a mother-in-law suite type things where it's yep. above the garage yep. situation. I don't know if that's the case, but that's what my memory tells me. I haven't gone back to look at that footage since oh, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Since it actually aired, I've never, I'm sure it's on YouTube. I've never thought about going oh, to yeah, see it. No. Why would you? Yeah, exactly. She was, um, Fuck, two years old, dude. She was born in 92. Okay. So, yeah, Frances was born in 92. So not even two years old because she was born in August of 1992, and he died in April of 1994. Yeah. So I'd be surprised if she has a memory. Yeah, good point. Good point. Good point. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always tough to talk about him. And, And, you know, I get it's because of the... Uh, just the way it went out, because he clearly was a guy who was much more introspective than your standard rock and roll star, right? Nobody yeah. talks about Eddie Vedder the way they talk about Kurt. I don't think, and even even if Eddie Vedder had taken the same route, I don't think they would have talked about him in the same way they talked about Kurt. There was just something about him and his energy and who he was as a person 
that people felt a natural affinity to care for male or female, you know? Um, yeah. And the True. lyrics in his music are so fucking deep. You're just like, God damn, God damn. You know, I, you know, the, I guess coincidental to me would have been, had he not taken his own life. Mm. I don't think that band lasts that much longer. You're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. Whereas Pearl Jam, I assumed they're going to have some longevity just because there was more stability. Yeah. When you look at what they're putting out into the world, Nirvana's was dealing with a lot of angst and yeah. issues, depressions, dark shit. Yeah. And Pearl Jam would tap into that, but it was, they also had, you know, they were more even keeled. Yeah. So it's, I think it is easier to gravitate towards like someone like Cobain because you do want to protect him because he's the, he seems so fragile. He's the Tupac of that genre of music. Like yeah. his music is so iconic. And that because of the combo of the lyrics and the music with the Pac, the rap lyrics and the music, it's so iconic and being taken out at such a young age, of course, Pac being shot, but Pac doing self-destructive shit, like being in, situations with, with people being in dangerous situations with stuff like that so it was like you know it was going to be a miracle that he survived if he survived into his 40s or 50s and with kurt you're right i mean where would he have gone he's, he's the james dean i guess is a better analogy the james dean of music because the people there was such potential here the, to go and be like this really once in a lifetime artist um because at 20s in his mid 20s he was writing lyrics that people in their 40s and 50s would kill to have written um in terms of the construction of those lyrics and the things that he's saying in those lyrics and what he's trying to get and the multiple meanings that are in those lyrics it's really incredibly layered uh yeah. and so you'd have to explore the intelligence of him remember Tupac was also a super intelligent fucking guy so he didn't come he wasn't a dummy who just happened to figure out rap. Like he was smart. He's very cultured, you know, same thing here with Kurt in terms of his intelligence, not necessarily, maybe not his culture, but certainly his intelligence. And so, yeah, I mean, go back and I mean, I don't, you just go, don't even listen to that album that blew him up. You know, uh, the second album has all kinds of music that is just incredible on it. So, Ugh. but yeah, drugs, dude, fucking drugs, you know, heroin addiction, his depression, all of that. Mm -hmm. yeah could be fun to explore i mean even talking about it i get like so sad because of the what could have been but then Anna, where would he have gone matt do you think i mean you say the group would have broke up Reckless. do you think he would have just been just a solo artist creating like every few years one album yeah, kind of thing? yeah. i think that's that he disappears for a while yeah and then everybody wants to work with him so he still gets the best people to show up to whatever studio in his yeah. house that he lives at yeah like basically uh axel rose except he's not a cunt <laughs> where you don't see him for long stretches. I doubt he would work on Chinese democracy for 15 years, but just like this recluse type of individual. <laughs> That's how you pitch it. Yeah. Axel Rose, but without being a cunt. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Sign me yeah, up. Axel seems like the worst. I, I thought about like him <laughs> or Slash. And I was like, I yeah. well, first off, it had to be a guns picture. Yeah. And I don't want to watch two hours of Axel. Yeah. Oh, uh, here's when I was a dick again. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about a dude that's got more than likely four marriages. I, I've never looked into his love life. 
I'd assume if he's taking the plunge. Yeah. Well, here's the other side of this. And, and this would have been, this could have come true too. It could have been him that jettisons the group that tells Dave. And, oh, undoubtedly. I think. Yeah. tells him, Hey guys, you got to go and do your thing. You, I'm holding you back being a part of this group. You guys are advancing. It's like the Beatles and you're advanced. You're at that level now where you don't need the group. You're, you guys are artists already go and do that. Cause Grohl's been very vocal at saying he was never going to do another band after Nirvana. Like he didn't want to lead a band or like that was not his interest. Like he had no idea of being a lead singer and it wasn't until, you know, obviously Kurt passed and then all of the stuff that happened afterwards, it kind of fell into place. Mm. Um, so yeah, it would be fascinating to have seen what he would have been. I think you're right. It's like Terrence Malick, just like every few years popping up with this, uh, this album and, and God knows what he'd be exploring or talking about or getting into. Yeah, I think this yeah, modern analogy would probably be like Tom York. Yeah, yeah. And there's no way he's with Courtney. There's he eventually as soon as he cleans up, Courtney's gone. He's absolutely getting ready to go. With Courtney. You never know. <sighs> yeah, you think so? Sometimes sometimes they're just binary planets, you know? They yeah, just perfectly true. gravitationally align and she uh, had her way. That's yeah, true. That's true. Ugh. All right. Well, that was my four. What do you wow. have? show-stopping conversation uh my four is bruce springsteen to go in a completely different direction uh boy i didn't even think about springsteen i mean come on especially now that he's in the uh broadway stage of his career it's almost over so now is a good time to assess bruce well you got a lot of new york new jersey guys that's three of them so far um yeah, I tried to make it more diverse, but I mean, this is where I naturally went. And Bruce, I <laughs> yeah, love more diverse. <laughs> oh, there's one from Long Island, and there's one from Manhattan, and here's one from the Jersey Shore. Come on, I got George Michael from England. Come on, man, that expands my scope a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, Bruce is just uh, so important uh, for me, and in, in you know, it's kind of understanding rock and roll, man. Um, growing up, I mean, just fucking. The first time I heard uh, Born to Run, my mind just exploded. Uh, just what that song symbolizes, you know? And I don't give Ken Wool a lot of credit for any, or Robert Wool a lot of credit for anything, but his stand-up set about how Jersey wanted to have Born to Run as their state song, and he's, like, going through the lyrics and how, like, suicidal and fatalistic the lyrics are. Yeah, it's about <laughs> it's getting like, out of Jersey. Yeah, exactly. Why the fuck would you want this to be yours? Yeah, it's about escaping <laughs> a shit lot. It's a, you know. Yeah, yeah. What was the other Springsteen song? Was it Reagan wanted to use? Or oh, Born like in the that? USA. He yeah. used it, yeah. Which is about yeah, like, like, you, how you, terrible it is here. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you do realize what this song's about, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a protest song. Um, But yeah, I mean, seeing in the 70s how, it, and like he almost came close to giving up. You know, he had that, he released that biography in the last year or so which is really cool. And he talks about like how, how close he was that born to run that album. If that hadn't hit, we might never have seen Bruce Springsteen ever again. And that, that album, they spent, he spent so much time, he invested so much money and then it worked out, you know? So it's a great kind of story of, of success. And then the born, like you said, born in the USA out, that album exploded him after he'd kind of walked away for a little bit. And then he became this thing. And then right after that, Tunnel of Love and all the other albums that came through after that and the different changes all the way leading up to him 
singing that song after 9-11 that was so cathartic for so many people my city mm -hmm. of ruins fuck that's such a great song you know so there's so much music and then boom personal life with um julianne nicholson no julianne oh i forget the woman's name is the actress who was in sisters that he was married to and then you know patty scalfa the woman who's been in his band for so long mm -hmm. all of a sudden pops up and that's the thing so just so much about exploring him and then his interactions and the people who came in contact with i mean the band itself the e street band with little stevie and clarence clemens and max I forget Max's name, um, and then all the people involved in that. So, Max. Yeah, I, th I think uh, Max Weinberg. Yeah, Max Weinberg. Sorry, yes, Max Weinberg. So, just all of that—that's a hell of a story. Yeah. yeah. For as uncool as I think Billy Joel is, I think Springsteen is pretty effortlessly cool because he's not trying. Billy's not trying. Yeah, he is. Billy just is. He, he, no, he's trying. Oh my god. He wants to be he wants to be Springsteen. He wants to be the New York oh, version of that Jersey thing. Why is Jersey? Yeah. Spring is Jersey. Springsteen. Yeah, Jersey. guess what? Somebody from Jersey outcooled you and is the I think that you're right. I didn't even think about Springsteen to be perfectly honest. Oh, okay. Is that because uh, you see the East you see them as a band as opposed to a single? No, no, no. It's okay. it's Spruce. Okay. And then, and I'm not taking anything away from him. Yeah. It's an eclectic mix of, of really good artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, for whatever reason, I, I literally have a page, and I didn't write down Bruce. I don't know why. Bruce. Yeah. I think it could definitely, although I think he's got a pass, another one that I think oh, has to pass. But he absolutely must have a pass, right? I would think so. Um, Let's explore that. So, But, yeah, I think I think that would make for... A really good drama-filled story. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. What's your three? Uh, three is uh, probably the funnest. Okay. Uh, Ozzy. <laughs> Great choice, man. Dude. Go ahead. I love that choice. Love Young uh, hoodlum starts yeah. getting in trouble with the law and uh, drinking and partying a little bit. Joins a band. You know, his parents are blue-collar workers and whatnot, and he's just going to, they're like, all right, you just got to fuck around in a band, apparently. I don't believe they were too pleased with it. Yeah. But that band ends up creating a genre of music, heavy metal, uh, and then they make some classic songs. Yes. Iron Man and, and War Pigs, probably. <sighs> War Pigs, dog. But then you, he gets out of that, falls further into drug use strikes out on his own solo is kind of scary, but then he meets Sharon yeah. and has this massive resurgence in the eighties where he is one of a few guys and the stories that others have of him that he has no re recollection of like yeah. the snorting, the ants and all that jazz or it's so, it's so funny when you look at him now is like this kind of, he's this beloved individual yeah, and he was a social pariah that yeah. Judiciary committees were, you know, congregating. How do we stop the scourge? Along yeah. with D and D, Ozzy's biting the heads off of bats and <laughs> bringing the devil into our children's ears. And now, after the, it goes from that to he pisses on the Alamos, and then he gets, dude, you don't do that in Texas. Find that out the hard way. <laughs> you got all these little benchmarks, and then the reality star turns him into this lovable yeah. guy that we're all like, man, he seems like fun. 
him and Sharon, but mainly Ozzy. Oh, but like Sharon coming into his life and rescuing him, yeah, helping lift him out of the drug addiction, but also with his business affairs and yeah. writing the ship. And you could have the him getting introduced to Randy Rhodes and then Randy Rhodes passing, right? And then like Zach Wilde coming into his life. And there's just a lot of intersections with fans that he went on tour with his yeah. overall, the parties of the legendary parties of the storying, uh, pardon me, the legendary, st the legendary stories of his partying. Wow. That was yeah. a tough one for me. Uh, I realized the story's not done, but at the same time, he's been around since the mid sixties. It's much like Dolly. Yeah. It's been long enough where we, I think we could legitimately discuss it. Yeah. Uh, I just think that's an easy sell. Is it Oscar caliber? I don't know. Uh, but do I think it can make a shitload of money? Yeah, I do, actually. Depends on who you cast, right? I mean, yeah. it would depend on who you cast to play Ozzy. But, yeah, I could see that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's so much. Like you said, there's so much of his journey to explore, you know. so there's so many different stages of it. Yeah, and I forgot about the fucking pissing at the album. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah. You know? That was like the, the last straw. It was after the uh, biting the, the bat off of a bat and... It's right around when Randy Rhodes goes down and then he disappears for a while and then comes back with no more tears. Yeah. And then that launches him again. And you're like, oh yeah, you know who's great in metal? Zazie. Yeah. And then probably like five, five to seven years later is the reality show. Something like yeah. that. No more tears. Yeah. Um, and that, I, that iconic shot of him, isn't he like lifting up Randy or holding Randy? Yeah. I was like, I remember that being, as a kid in the uh, in the 80s. I remember seeing that picture. So like, yeah, Randy being one of those like guitars that dies early in a band that kind of affects everyone around them, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, Ozzy's so much. There's so much, man. And yeah, you're right. Fucking war pigs. Huh. Plus, mean? I've seen him shooting the shit with you know, uh, McCartney and it was somebody else. Oh, wow. And McCartney had to like, uh, remind him of Ozzy has no recollection of the story. And it's like, how many artists have that? It's gotta be so many. Yeah. And a bunch that have already passed. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, he's been around for so long that. It's great. But, uh, I love that choice, man. Um, all right. So then my number three, um, and there's a little bit of a cheat because there've been, pieces of biopics done with him but i uh john lennon is my number three okay i figured and they'd already been done so i didn't there was a there was a nowhere boy which was about his beginnings with the quarrymen and then there was that tv biopic with him and Aiden, with uh, jared harris and aiden quinn playing john and paul uh yeah about the snl thing yeah about the snl thing which i think is a good little movie yeah it's fine but there hasn't been one that kind of really explores him from the beginning through the Beatles and then into the post solo life and the battle with McCartney, you know? So, and I think there's such a wealth of um, drama to explore with Lennon because of the death of his mom uh, being raised by his aunt. Um, and then, you know, kind of falling in with this group and then, the relationship with Paul and the relationship with George and Ringo and then um, the possible sexual relationship with Brian Epstein, a lot of illusions, the possibility that they had a homosexual and weekend together away um, him writing this music. Same thing like with Kurt, like this idea that these guys from Liverpool could come up with music that was, went from boy band to 
introspective, socially conscious, um, you know, phenomenal music that people, and, and then the construction of the music, uh, musician wise, is just phenomenal. So there's so much that, and then to break out on his own, and he was scared to go out on his own, um, being talked out of breaking up the Beatles so that Paul could get the jump on it, which is really fucked up when he wanted to go. Um, and how he navigated that out of that. And then like all the lost weekend and all that stuff that happened with him in the seventies, where he was performing with his friends, he was still kind of coming out with good, great music rather. And then kind of disappears for a couple of years and comes back with double fantasy. And then is sadly assassinated. So yeah, there's so, and he's only, well, he's only 40 years old. Everything I talked to you happened in 40 years. Like it's just insane. So, um, yeah, like I was, when I was watching Elvis, I was like 42 years old. He was 42. 42, man. That is mind-blowing for me to think about it. It's some kind of, oh, that's an age. That's He died early. 42. Yeah. Easy. Lennon, 40. It's kind of crazy, man. So just that whole thing, you know, and you know, him meeting Elvis, him meeting Muhammad Ali, him meeting all these kind of things and getting involved in all the organizations, meeting Yoko. Obviously, like, sorry, I can't leave out Yoko. Obviously, the whole thing with Yoko so much to explore there as well and becoming politically conscious and the, and the bed-ins and the protests and all that stuff. Um, you know, imagine was a great documentary from the 1980s that kind of explored that a little bit with Lennon, but there's so much more to dive into that I think would have been, would be so much fun. You could find the right actor to do it. So, uh, yeah. Him, McCartney and Harrison, I think would all make for, interesting movies i don't know with, with mccartney it's weird like i don't ever want to see a biopic of mccartney like i'm just like the guy was great but you know he was also just kind of cool like the life just kind of worked out for him and he's a good looking dude and shit just kind of worked out for him and i never really sensed angst or drama with paul um that i did with john like john seemed tortured and so that i find more interest in that um and I don't know how you do a George Harrison biopic after that four-hour documentary that was incredible on H that was on HBO. Um, well, you use that as a resource, and you maybe yeah. But with Harrison, you could bring in the Eric Clapton stuff. Yeah, sure, absolutely, and also on the top Japan of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. All three of them, I think, would. Yeah. Apologies, Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> maybe there's an excellent story in there. It doesn't. I I haven't heard it yet. He survived. He might be the last one left. Oh, he will be. Paul. You think he'll over uh, outlive Paul? Maybe. maybe. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Ringo, the last one left. You sons of bitches. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, what's your two, bro? Uh, my deuce is Whitney. Oh, nice choice, man. All right, go ahead. Uh, Good choice. From a musical family, started in the church, yep. doing gospel and choir and whatnot, mm-hmm. and then... Clive Davis taking her and elevating her, basically getting her the right introductions and the right producing partners and whatnot to that early 80s success where she went from, we didn't know who she was to, wow, this could be the best voice in all of music. Yeah. And she just rules the 80s into something like Bodyguard, where then she transitions into movies and has a huge movie. She tried movies for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. but that was easily the biggest one she had. And then the third act of it is this weird drug fueled 
yeah. mania where she spirals into i want to i mean that's the most intriguing because that's the one that i feel like i understand the least about what mm. drove you yeah to end up drowned in a hotel bathtub yeah. on cocaine of all things that's right on top of uh benadryl and pot and like two or three other drugs yeah but cocaine and you fell asleep on that how the f how is that possible right uh because there was enough in her system they were like well she just recently used it too it's not right. like it's trace amounts right so for you to be so strung out to have just recently used cocaine and fall asleep on it that's yeah. pretty impressive yeah uh and it just points to a drug addiction that was continuous and drawn yeah. out for a long time and what then you have the bobby brown stuff and they you know did all that how much was it influence on one another did one bring it into i don't yeah. know uh all of that i found absolutely fascinating but then you look at the contrast the polarity of where she was brought into the music world and yeah. where she exited the music world and just like mm, boy you could it's an easy one to make a case of the corrupting influence everything that george michael oh, yeah. was talking about which you brought up earlier the plasticity yeah yeah um I, I just think that it'd be an easy one and a potential Oscar caliber because of the the way it unceremoniously ends and she just falls asleep in a bathtub and drowns. Yeah. And then her daughter does the same thing. Yeah. yeah. No, 100% right, dude. I mean, she's such a... Because um, I, I watched that documentary as well, the one on, on that was on Showtime. And what an exploit. I mean, you just forget what an icon she was in the 1980s into the 1990s with uh, the bodyguard song, uh, of course, remake of Dolly song, but how she just kind of exploded onto the scene. And there was no, like, you never heard too much about like racism or anything around her. She just kind of transcended all of that. Mm -hmm. Like everybody loved her regardless of color or, or age or gender. Uh, or sexual orientation, shall I say? It just was. She was like she was just. She transcended all of that. People just loved her, you know. And pumping out really good music, and then yeah, like you said, just falling in with Bobby. How does that happen? And what? Why doesn't she say fuck this nonsense? Like why doesn't she have the strength to kind of push away from him or 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 see the um, red flags and 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 listen to them instead of ignore them? why what what happened inside that changed her um to accept this kind of stuff and deal and then in the end of course it led to her death yeah so yeah that's that's you're right man there's so much to kind of dive into you'd have to fight bobby the whole the whole way to do that um film but fuck it why not you know yeah just the the tragic nature of it and it closes and then mm -hmm. whoever that is that that takes the part so long as you pull it off well enough yeah there's oscar potential yeah. you're right you're right yeah cynthia revo had you not done aretha you been <laughs> the first choice for this yeah jennifer hudson too she did a Reva. she did aretha she, although she wouldn't i don't think she would have been in contention for this but yeah i just think cynthia is a much better actress so yeah yeah fair fair uh so the my number two is um sinatra i mean how can it not be Sinatra. sure uh it was punt from you right earlier uh yeah my six yeah so not just my boy that's my boy 
That's, I mean, chairman of the board, man. That's old blue eyes. That's my guy, man. And, uh, you know, I, I remember they did a CBS biopic on him. There was a series, not a biopic, because it was well, a series. Leota? No, no, no. Did that's, you see that one? That's the one on HBO. I saw that one. That's yeah, right. With, yeah, that's right. It was a... With Cheadle as uh, uh, Sammy Davis. And I, I just remember Leota as Sinatra, and I was like, yeah. nope. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a fan, Leota. No. And I forget who played Dean, but it was a terrible Dean. Um, was that guy wasn't attractive in the least bit? Um, but yeah, but there was a CBS one that was I think it was four hours over two nights. They even released like a double CD soundtrack of it that I bought. Um, but they haven't done they haven't done one. And then Scorsese had one lined up, uh, and then the, the Sinatra state put a kibosh on it. He was going to do a film on Sinatra, but they put a kibosh on it. And now apparently there's a mini series coming. Um, so it's not a film. It's not a biopic. It's a mini series coming. I think um, uh, it got greenlit in 2021, but it's not a biopic. And I want a biopic. I want something to explore Sinatra. Yeah. From the fucking Scorsese yeah. is the natural choice. Yeah. Right. You would think, especially now. Buddies, stage. Yeah. buddies with Rickles, new yeah. Jilly, yeah. their shared manager, like loves that era. Has yeah. nothing but reverence for all those individuals. Yeah. If you're not going to have him do it, I'm not sure exactly who you'd want doing it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's a good point. Because, I mean, if you look at Sinatra from the beginning, Hoboken, you know, being the daughter, son of a, a woman who's a politician, kind of a ground street politician. Um, where does that go? What does that lead to? Then he becomes a singer who's go- and he leaves a band. Uh, because he wants to go out on his own. He breaks the contract, rumors about mafia stuff, the Godfather connections, becomes massive star. When ha- people see in Harry Styles now, what you see, people were doing back in the 1940s for Sinatra. You know, and they scream for Elvis, they were screaming for Sinatra first. The Bobby mm-hmm. Soxers, all of that. And then, boom, he's nobody in the 1950s, almost commits suicide, bounces back to uh, uh, find himself again at Capitol Records. Becomes the fucking 60s coolest motherfucker on the planet with the Rat Pack. Then starts to stumble stumble in the 70s trying to be cool when he shouldn't be trying to be cool because nobody wants crooners anymore. Marries Mia Farrow, which is a weird thing. And then eventually slides into this kind of statesman position in the 80s and 90s until he passes. So all of that, plus the reuniting Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin on the MDA telethon. There's so much. You know, the stuff with the battles with Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much to explore with Sinatra. The shit with Marilyn. There's just so much to explore with Sinatra, both good and bad, that I think would have been, would be a just a wealth of stuff to um, to have in a script and to explore on screen with a biopic. Yeah. I, it's such a rich life. Yeah. That I don't even know how you do it in a biopic <laughs> unless you do a sliver of time. It's true. Because so, the mafia stuff alone yeah, right. could easily be a picture on its own. It's just like, oh, he's this young singer coming up and the connections he makes there and then the doors they open. Yeah. And it closes with like this. He's playing in Vegas for huge crowds now. And then just yeah. boom. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it's a really good one. It just doesn't. Uh, the others had like a a lot more drug use or mm. a bitter end type of thing. But mm-hmm. Sinatra I told you my top six, I think they're all. Yeah. And he was six. I, I think there's a damn good movie in there somewhere. 
Agreed. All right, what's your one? Uh, my one is the punt from you, Marvin Gaye. Wow. Okay. Go ahead, his, my man. His father shoots him. Yeah, true. Massive. Massive. At the height of his game. Mm. At the height of his comeback game. Yeah. yeah. He would have yeah. been the Motown guy, and then he goes off, and uh, he just put out his album like the the national anthem at the NBA Oof. All-Star game here in L.A. It was one of his last live appearances. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and just uh, not like not too much longer after that, him and his father got into a dispute and his father killed him. His father only ended up getting like five years. Yeah. Something ridiculous. Like got a suspended sentence and then probation for yeah. a long time. But it's like he killed his son. How, yeah. how do you just get away with such a short slap on the wrist type penalty? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think because he was a reverend and then also it was, it's been revealed, you know, I think in some news uh, items that he had relapsed, Marvin had. And what his father did was, in his mind, save his son from going back to where he was, considering how much work it had been for him to come back. And as soon as True. he was successful again, he fell victim to the demons again. And his father felt like, I'm going to take him out because I don't want him to end up strung out on the street somewhere. And that's not where he belongs. Fucked up thinking. Absolutely. But possibly what was going on with him, you know, and of course, Spike Lee used it as a, in, as a, something to you in jungle fever when uh, Ozzie Davis kills uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, a brutal scene, bro. That's a brutal scene. But I, that alone, you just yeah. read that and it sits with oh, you man. and you're like, I, what is the mentality mm. of the father? Yeah. Let alone the son, but the, yeah. to make the choice. I, I understand the logic of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's completely irrational, but every other time you see a parent discuss yeah. their child, it's like, I would do anything. I would die for them. Yeah, I yeah. love them more than anything in this world. Yeah. And then to take, that person, you know, from the world. Yeah. It's God, I mean, just the Jesus Christ. So that one to me is, yeah, I I would love an exploration of that dynamic because you, you do have all the Motown stuff and he's riding high on that. And then the comeback later on, right. so you have the classic up, down, back up again. Yeah. So you're following the trajectory of a normal hero's journey type of story. Yeah. And instead of reaching the mountaintop, you get crushed by the Hillary step. <laughs> yeah. The Edmund Hillary step. Yeah. So it's like, oh, oh, this is not what I was anticipating. <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas like Whitney's is slow, gradual decline. Right. And you see it coming. Marvin's yeah. not as much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, from... The start, when he's kind of establishing himself, gets involved with that older woman, um, and then breaks off with that to be, I think, with Barry Gordy's daughter or Barry Gordy's niece or something. And then that divorce happens, and the only way he can get out of his Motown contract is doing this. So he does an album that's totally about his divorce and sending these messages out. Terry gets involved with drugs. He you know, does that whole... Let's get it on. Takes off his clothes, except for his underwear, on stage. 
um, we go from the guy who was singing these great Motown songs, you said, to a guy who becomes politically conscious with what's going on and becomes a member of the movement, but then starts to succumb to these other demons of his that almost destroy him. And he climbs out and sexual healing uh, reintroduces him to a whole new generation and to the fans again. Yeah. We've been there from the beginning. And unfortunately the drugs uh, and he kills him. His father kills him, which is, as you said, Matt, just heartbreaking. So yeah, it's tragic. Yeah. So there's so much that can be explored and they've tried like Jesse L. Martin was supposed was in line and he would have been a great choice uh, to play Jess, to play uh, Marvin Gaye way back when, when rent was big on Broadway and he was on a law and order. There was definitely conversations that were happening that he was going to play Marvin Gaye in a biopic and never got off the ground. And there've been two or three attempts to get a Marvin Gaye biopic off the ground. They just haven't happened. So it seems odd because there's a lot to explore here. Um, so my number one is Prince. Your pun from earlier, the number 10 for some reason down there. There is so much to explore with Prince. So much. Prince Rogers Nelson. The man was 11 years old at a teacher strike being interviewed talking about what was yeah, going on. Yeah, I've seen on. the video. <laughs> it was floating around on Reddit like two weeks ago or three weeks ago. It's intellectual discourse from an 11-year-old. I appreciate that. But, you know, what he becomes and how he gets into the business and been a, being a diminutive guy, what's the struggles there? People discounting you maybe. What do you have to fight for? Then mm-hmm. becoming this like sexual icon and blowing up with Purple Rain and having the hubris to make a movie about your life. Um, when before you're even a fucking huge star, like that movie is what makes you the huge star with the soundtrack. And then what happens after getting rid of the revolution, going solo for a bit, then getting involved with the, the what is it, the new, I forget what this other band was called, and then get involved with that, what he creates. And then, of course, the drug stuff and then you know writing all the songs with it for everybody else like nothing compares to you and manic monday and all these like helping these artists establish themselves and then you know going off and then eventually succumbing to drugs himself you know i saw him live when he was doing the thing at the at um the forum when he was doing his 25 nights or whatever and mm-hmm. for 25 dollars a ticket you got to go see prince that was insane um and it was incredible. And seeing him live is one of the highlights of my life, man. Um, and just there's so much here to explore with him. The relationships he had, the um, stuff he was into, the Batman soundtrack, for God's sakes. There is just so much with Prince. Yeah. And I think he's so beloved still. And so many artists are influenced by him. You know, there's that, but you talk about videos on the Internet. Uh, anybody who hasn't seen him show up to play while my, my guitar gently weeps with all these other guitarists at the rock, oh, and, the roll rock and roll hall of fame right yeah, and they all just kind of go oh fuck man they should just kind of sit back and let prince do his thing because he is that fucking talented you know so i don't think people really grasp how talented he fucking was like how naturally gifted instinctive of a musician that he was that for him playing was like breathing it was not a big deal and he was doing it at the highest levels you can do it yeah i I had him lower just because if you compare him to the bulk of my list, mm. they've had ebbs and flows in and out of public discourse for decades yeah. on end. And really Prince has about 10 years. What? He does early eighties to early nineties. And then 
he kind of, you know, becomes a recluse. Are you discounting controversy? Are you discounting all the stuff in the, I want to be a lover, all the stuff from the seventies. Like, are you insane? That is great shit in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. But he really jumps off late seventies, early eighties. Well, eighties is where he blows up. Yes. Cause yeah. I think Purple Rain's 84. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I would say like 1980, 1982 is when he starts to enter the public consciousness. Mm. Oh, with little red Corvette. Yeah. 1999. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah, yeah, yeah emerging yeah. out into the world yeah. and then through the early 90s i i would guess last gas or somewhere on like diamonds and pearls yeah something along those lines when mm. he became the symbol and then he always loomed large like his halftime show at the super bowl is one of the best Oof. yeah of all time yes and instead of doing the big histrionics and set pieces a massive sheet silhouetted because he's backlit awesome that's way better than everything else I've seen and couldn't have scripted it better. It starts raining. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just think that 10 years is amazing, but then he just kind of disappears from had he passed away at that. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Okay. It deserves to be much. It still made my list. Okay. Uh, Cause he's Prince for Christ's sakes. <laughs> I just think the other one, like Sinatra, you have 60 years. To delve it's true. into. It's true. I think there's more to Prince than you think, but all right, that's fine. There very well could be. That's why this biopic is going to be incredible. Yes. Um, all right, well, there you go. That's our uh separate lists here for the top 10 solo artists we want to see biopics from. We're gonna put the list together here, and then we'll do shout-outs after that. Grabbing the bongos now. No dogs this time, so there'll be no barking. Uh, where did you have Marvin Gaye again? There'll be no barking, but on your deathbed, you'll achieve total consciousness. Marvin Gaye is six. All right, so that's one six. Technically, now Prince is nine because I just put BB at 10. Oh, okay. Um, so that's one. So do we want to do Marvin Gaye then Prince? Sure. Distant lover. Um, let's see. Cobain and Sinatra would be our next in common and Dolly. Sinatra's my two. He's my six, and Cobain okay. is your six? Cobain is my seven. Okay. I would say Sinatra. Okay. Kurt Cobain. Okay. And then Dolly? Sure. I'm cool with that. All right. Uh, what's your next highest? Uh, Lennon at three. All right. I got Whitney at two. Ooh. I got Ozzy at three. So oh boy. The Battle of the Brits. Flip the old like, coin. I feel like I should get that, but all right. You feel like I should get that? I, I mean, I, I agree with you, but I'll flip the coin to be if you can judicious and fair. Let me tell you thing. And John Lennon wins. Yes. Thank Two weeks Jesus. in a row for you. Thank you, Jesus. All right, next highest. Uh, Springsteen at four. Okay, that makes it on. Oh, nice. Rude. I've got my five. Okay. What do you got? Do I have my five? Dolly Parton? No, so that's yours. All right, Muddy Waters. Muddy makes the list, huh? Done and done. Nice. All right, let's do this thing. <laughs> the top 10 solo artists they need a biopic yeah at number 10 muddy waters at number nine 
Bruce Springsteen. At number eight. Ozzy Osbourne. At number seven. John Lennon. At number six. Whitney Houston. At number five. Dolly Parton. At number four. Kurt Cobain. At number three. Frank Sinatra. At number two. Prince. And our number one artist that needs a biopic is... Is Marvin Gaye. There get it up, is. Get up, get up, get up. And if All you guys right. end up enjoying uh, Elvis, uh, let us know. John's already seen it. Uh, yeah. I will definitely be seeing it. So <laughs> it's inevitably coming. So I'd love to hear your guys' opinions. Yeah. So please let us know. But we're going to jump into shout outs. So this is what we do for our yeah. patrons. Uh, at the end of the month, at least we try and get it done by the end of the month. Um, at the $5 tier and above over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. Uh, we just uh, we shout their name out. As a way of saying thank you for supporting the show. And uh, I'll uh, go ahead and start us off. All right. Um, All right. Yeah, I'm just trying to bring it up. All right, go ahead. Uh, Oliver Madrill. Uh, Mike Boner. Scott G. Collins. Steve Smith. Drew Gorzicki. Fraser Jubb. Jason McDonald. Uh, Ruby. Pele Cole. Eric Taylor. Deepak Maurer. David Stevens. Andrew Robinson, Francisco Ramirez, Michael Bauer, Colton Thompson, Henrik Winterland, Callie Onken, Lachlan Skinner, Charles Kim, Joseph Curran, Fred Castillo, Charles J. Clark, Zachariah Kaufman, Jeff Dickin, Francisco J. Torres, Connor Teal, Michael D. Dyke, Tim Reimert, Dominic Reeves, Eric Bruin, Matt Simmons. Jeremy Bowers, James Petty, Nick Francis, Christopher Brockman, Blake Gant, Cameron Chapman, Alex Russell, Paul Cree, so Paul. Stacey Flores, uh, Luke Allison, Kristen Kurtz, Gareth Weldon, Timothy R. Williams, Nick Baldwin, Janae Taylor, Ahmad Ali, Darren Bush, Angela Dashner, Drake Fromsdorf, Josh Lawrence. Chelsea Lewis. Adelardo Fuente. Reagan Lovig. Andre Constantinescu. Steve Schluckebeyer. Catherine Samuels. Houston Bodley. Uh, Roque Orellana. Maurice Robinson. Brandon Caridi. Marlon T. A.Z. Badfish. Uh, Ravi Prasad. Joe Fairley. Ben Cartwright. Josh Murphy. Mike Oricar. Josh Sachs. George Menchaca. Dale Varley. Wayne Murphy. Ashley Prowls. Johannes Schmidt. Sam Fernando. Kevin Fuss. Pardon me. Ryan McKenna. Uh, Brian Akins. Alexander Marzonia. Uh, Garth Wisenant. Mike Barrington. Noel Kelleher. Jim Payne. David Mitchell Baker. Andy Ortiz. John Keefe. Kristen Smith. Marcel Behrman. James Trapani. Drew Enns. Dan Nye. Uh, Matthew Hasso, Seth Shearer, Andrew Marker, Chris Jones, Luke Larson, Chris Cabrera, Robert Haley, and Anthony Casanova. There you go. There that you is go. Everybody. So thank you to all that support us. We thoroughly appreciate it. And uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Top 10 Show, all spelled out on Instagram and YouTube. It is forward slash the Top 10 Podcast with the number 10. So please hit us up. 
And you can follow me anywhere at Matt Knows. Check out Settler Score if you want another movie-related uh, trivia show. And uh, it's movie music, actually. Or uh, if you want NBA action, uh, well, by the time you hear this, the season is over. So dropping dimes may or may not be uh, uh, tomorrow. Not sure. <laughs> there you go. So that is it for me. <laughs> All right. As for me, you can follow me at The Roka Says on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. The Outlaw Nation on Twitch, for sure. Uh, my other podcast, The uh, Cinephiles and The Geek Buddies, uh, and also my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca Says, for all the latest reviews uh, and live shows that we do there on the channel as well. So uh, thank you all so much for joining us for the Top 10. We appreciate it madly for another fun week conversation about a film-related topic, for sure. And we'll be back next week. Don't forget, Topic Thunder is out there for you to listen to as well every week. Drop in a half-an-hour program where we answer your questions, thoughts, and comments about anything you want to ask us about. So if you're a patron at the $5 and above level, start sending in your questions, thoughts, and comments as well. If you haven't done that in a while, send in what you've got going on. Summer's about to happen, so or summer's happening, so I'm sure you've got questions about the world. So there you go. Uh, all right, well, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand-new episode of the Top 10. Peace. Bye-bye. Ooh.